This is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcasts Network, showcasing conversations with Chicago's creative communities and professional industries. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. Haima Black, Dynasty Podcast. I am here with Michael Muser, Director of Operations and Owner of Ever and After. Those are two separate destinations, Ever and After, though. They're right next to each other. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to connect. I've been seeing there's a lot of like press, a lot of, I feel like, excitement around both concepts, but After is newer, so very excited to talk to you about all these yeah, things. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer your questions, yeah. Let's kind of start at the beginning, you know, specifically talking about After, which for anyone who doesn't know, this is a really impressive, very cool lounge. It's in the Fulton Market neighborhood, a little bit west of like the main strip of Fulton Market, but we're, we're right in there. So like, how did this concept kind of first come together? Talk about the origin of, of After. Yeah, sure. We had uh, to think back on the past three years. I was just talking to a, a friend of mine about this, like trying to encapsulate the past two and a half to three years of what's gone on with the COVID lens is just, it's just, it's just so crazy. It's so hard to, so you ask, you know, how did, how did this bar concept come about? It came hot off the heels of Ever Restaurant that got hit with the COVID wave about halfway through construction and then came out of construction. And there was the 25% capacity rule. If you remember at the time, the city had released the ability for small businesses and restaurant world to allow for 25% capacity of your dining room. And so we, we gave it a go. We hired a team on, and then we were crushed when it was three months later, 90 days later, where we went in for the full closure, and then ever came out of that months later, like all restaurants did, crawling basically, and uh, fought its way back to a rhythm or a cadence that made it a small business again. That's ever restaurant. And then all along that time, next door to that restaurant lied a, a series of empty storefronts that had big question marks inside of them. And we never didn't stare at them. We were always kind of looking at them like, what will that do over there? And uh, the cocktail lounge was for sure a, a, a concept, an idea that was at the top of the list. And I honestly tried to knock it off a couple of times and it just didn't uh, go anywhere. It made a lot of sense. We have a restaurant that does around 60 to 80 people a night. How many of those people would enjoy a cocktail either before experience or after their experience? Enough for me to say, okay, let's go. Let's go to design and see what kind of comes of it. Well, and I want to go back to kind of the pandemic topic for just a moment, which you brought up, and that was on my list because, as you no doubt know and, and everyone has seen, not just in Chicago, but really anywhere, restaurants, so many businesses, but restaurants especially have had a really rough couple of years. We're still seeing restaurants right now closing, you know, who just couldn't couldn't come back it's after. It's not over. It's right. Th- th- like, we're still, and, and, I, and, and I'm sure that this, I always kind of preface this, because I don't mean to, like, not understand the pain felt in other industries. I can only speak for my own, Right. So I know that my friends in the hospitality world right now are so short on hands and so short on people, they think it's like a matter of not hiring the ones that show up for the interview. 
No one's showing up for the interview to start the, the do you understand? You can't have a conversation when there's no one even there. And no one comes in to apply for these jobs. And it's ha 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 until there's no one in the dish. And now it's you. And then there's no one over here and there's no one over there, right? And here comes the damn finger plug analogy where you're just like, oh no, I'm out of fingers. Well, and that was going to be, I think, something that's been on my mind is like launching one concept around the pandemic ever, I'm sure was very difficult. Launching two, like were you guys just signing up to be like, let's let's take the hardest road there is? I think I, I would wonder if a lot of people would be in the same position where you're like, look, sometimes the opportunity, like those empty storefronts, those empty spaces, you have to ask yourself ugly questions like, well, what do you want, neighbors? <laughs> You're like, uh, maybe not. I don't know that. Na- I don't. I don't think I want neighbors. I think I would rather. You know, what if you start playing that? Que- you know, play that game with you. What if you don't make that move, and someone else does, and they're super happy they did, and you have to sit next door to it and watch that thing grow and get big and be no. So, so growth is sometimes just inevitable. And in, in for us in this moment in creating the businesses we put next door to our restaurant, it was not going to happen any other way. We, we, you know, we had to move. Well, and it's really interesting because uh, something I noticed is that, you know, there's that main strip of like the Fulton market restaurants right over by Nobu Soho house, right? Like, Correct. and then this is a few blocks West. It's not crazy far, but, but this is a further distance where all of that traction hasn't fully come this way yet. Do you feel like, you know, ever and after, do you feel like you guys are early here before that that wave inevitably keeps rolling west and you're staking your claim in this section of Fulton Market? Much of what you just said has come almost, those exact words have come out of my mouth. The wave analogy, the rolling of the cranes that are, you know, you can see them, they're getting closer and closer as, as the construction moves west from uh, on Fulton and Randolph and Lake Street, it, it, it continues to move west towards Ogden. Ogden seems to be like this. And even Ogden has its own sort of stuff happening uh, yes. along Ogden as well. Correct. In Chicago. So it feels like from both sides, they're conspiring to inevitably meet Correct. in the middle. I'm not, obviously, I'm a wine sommelier, right? And it's hysterical that in times like, in moments like this, I have to, I, like, you would think that I, I would know something about real estate. I know nothing about real estate, right? But I'm a Chicagoan. I'm a good Chicagoan. I, I've been around the West Loop a minute. And when it came time to looking for a, sp- a, a, a box to put Ever Restaurant in, I knew right off the bat I couldn't afford anything in, you know, sexy town. Right. A- a- anything over there where all that other activity Hoxed was. And, yeah, I don't want to yeah, compete yeah. with it. And honestly, I'm old, man. I'm 48. Like, let's quiet it down a bit. Let's, you know, it's nice. Uh, it won't last. I know where we're at now is going gonna, is gonna to develop. It's going to develop within the next six to eight years. It's already happening. Just one block on the other end of uh, 1340, our office building that we're in, just on the other end of it is a big, I think it's going up 22 stories. And I think it's residential. If I'm not if I'm not wrong, so, but I couldn't afford to be where everyone else was, and the energy when you when you were explaining our location, you said it so well, dude. You were like, it's not that far, like that, right? Just that it's not that far. It's just an extra like minute or 
minute and a half in your Uber. It's like an extra $2 or $3 in an Uber. Maybe, maybe, you know. And forever, which Curtis's restaurants, or to experience what Curtis does, or to eat his food, usually is that destination moment. Like, I'm going to go out of my way to sit in that room and hear what that person has to say about food. That, that, that just a little over, that, it worked. It worked for us. And now for the cocktail lounge that sits next to the restaurant, Again, that's kind of why I was happy to do the cocktail lounge next to an already existing business that was doing 60 to 80 humans a night. Because even on its most slowest, most deadest nights, because people will destination a restaurant, but they don't really destination a bar. Not norm- normally, sure, right? Sure, sure. Bars benefit from walk-in business, from, 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 from people walking on the sidewalk and all that kind of stuff. And our bar doesn't have that yet. Doesn't have that yet. So... I think we're super early as a bar, and I think we're aptly placed as ever restaurant. And that as a betting human, I was like, the two together can symbiotically survive the weight, the delta, before the big boom happens, which is when they start building directly across the street from us, Mm -hmm. or where our little Rev Burger uh, uh, pandemic pivot was, which was just catty corner to us. There's a red brick building over there, and it's destined to be knocked down with a big thing to replace it. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking around the neighborhood, and I was able to, I mean, granted, we're recording this in the middle of the day on a weekday, but it's like, I was able to find parking here right away, and I can't find parking right away over by, like, Duck, Duck, Goat. There's nowhere to park, and so it's really nice to be able to come to a neighborhood where you go, okay, not everything is here yet, but I know that we can just get in and out, so hundred percent. I think it's very smart to be here because we both know there's going to be a gym here. There's going to be another hotel. There's going to, all that stuff is coming exactly. and you guys will have staked your claim early. There used to be on the other side of our building towards the train tracks, uh, north of us, just one block. Uh, there was a mill there. Mm-hmm. One of them yeah, weird yeah, yeah. looking mm-hmm. big, con- you know, one of those things yeah. you see like the one at Halstead in Chicago. Like I always look at that and be like, how is that still here? I'm sure it's important. I'm sure what it's doing is very important. But that mill was uh, Sterling Bay owns that lot over there as they own the lot across the street from us. And they knocked that mill down in prep. And I can see them over there all the time doing soil samples and, you know, checking it out. So they're getting ready. It's all just kind of in the brew. You know, if you've lived in Chicago long enough, you remember what Fulton Market was like. Yeah. <laughs> before this. And you just would have not thought that, like, that would have become the new River North. Dude. Yeah. My I my first condo was 817 West Washington at Washington and Halstead across the street from where Craig Perman used to have Perman wine selections and there used to be a Harold's fried chicken right across the street. And I had two dogs and I would walk them into the into the into the destitute of the West Loop uh and it was awesome. I mean that Google building when it was an old refrigeration building, right. the 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 side there were like sidewalk level windows that were mostly just like open. Right. And you could hear the machinery in there chugging about. And at nighttime, it was super scary to like think about. Oh, it was just kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, quick quick aside, because I want to move the conversation back to after. But quick aside, I, I taught at Columbia College for a number of years. And I went to Columbia College in the early, early 2000s, like yeah. right at the turn of the millennium. And when I would teach there in the 2010s and students would be like, oh, there's not that much in the South Loop. I'm like, you don't know. Right. You don't know what this was like in 2001. You say that there's nothing here. There was nothing. There were a couple parking garages, and that's it. So it, it's amazing to see these neighborhoods turn over in real time. I have so. to tell you this one last story. Yeah. I fancy myself a, 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 a photographer, right? Like I like to walk around and take pictures. And back in that time, 
and this we're talking like 15 years ago or something, I was walking around the West Loop, and I would just take pictures of the train as it would go by and get all these motion shots and stuff. And I shot this big garage door that had this awesome alien head on it that someone had kind of painted and you know kind of graffitied on or whatever. It was this cool piece of graffiti art that I loved. And I remember this picture. I took this picture. And years later, I would be in this very building touring it to potentially sign a lease for Ever Restaurant with the higher-ups at Sterling Bay. Yeah. And they're walking me all about, and they take me through the lobby, and then and the whole time I'm this place reeks of amenities, and amenities cost money, and I'm like, I can't afford any of this shit. There's no way I can rent. There's no like this isn't gonna work. I get up to their building. They used to have their home offices on the sixth floor. I'm walking around. There's the alien head door. They had ta- <laughs> they, they had purchased the building that it was on. They had removed it as an art piece and installed it in their offices. And I was like, dude, I have a picture of that exact same door on the actual building that it was on. It was kind of a fun full circle Chicago and moment. Like I, I've had a lot of those and I don't want to, I don't want to detour the, the interview, but <laughs> what you're describing, I've had a lot of those of like, Oh my God, seven years ago I did X here and now I'm working here or living here. Yeah. yeah. So after like ever, uh, which is of course the two Michelin star restaurant next door, it's a collaboration between you and chef Curtis Duffy. Uh, talk about that relationship. I know that that began like, over a decade ago, I believe. Like, how does that work? How did you guys come together? And then how does that work in the present? Yeah. We uh, initially met when Curtis was brought on board at the Peninsula Hotel to run a restaurant called Avenues that was in the Peninsula Hotel. This is, again, going back a long time ago, back to that, that apartment I lived in at 817 West Washington. He got put in charge of Avenues. I was the wine director of the hotel at the time. And the two of us kind of developed a very symbiotic relationship where... Him kind of coming to the hotel was important to to me, especially his lineage, where he had come from, the kitchens that he had spent time in, the people that he knew, the reputation that Curtis had built at that time. It takes a lot, right? You know, the restaurant people talk a lot. So, you know, when someone's trustworthy and reliable and works their butt off and is really focused on craft... That shows, and people say that. And so, so I was excited to kind of protect him in a way because in a hotel environment, man, those are big machines, and they'll poke at a chef, <laughs> especially a quiet, you know, artistically driven one. And so we worked really well together at the Peninsula Hotel. And it, at the Peninsula Hotel, Avenue's Restaurant, when the Michelin Guide first came to Chicago, uh, and you'd have to do the math on that, they gave him two stars out of the gate. That's out of three stars. Yeah. And three stars is, you know, this big behemoth of an event that rarely happens to a chef, if never. So he gets two stars out the gate, two out of three. Wow, this is kind of a thing. We breached out from there, left that happy nest we were in because it was a cool gig. And we had we were there for a while. And we opened our first restaurant, Grace. And that lasted five solid years. In its second year of operation... Grace received its third Michelin star. So Chef had become, at that point, I think he's like one of our 11 or 12 three Michelin starred chefs in the United States of America at the time. Yeah, they keep the numbers really low so that it really does have an impact, right? You're like, now you're one of 12 in America and you're under 200 in the world or something, right? Like, I know, it's... And, 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 and we in the biz are always like, we don't like awards in the sense that they don't define you. And it's not, 
And we're and, and that really is super true. It can't define you because you're here way too much. You're working six days a week. You're here 15, 16 hours a the day. The work continues. If you think a stupid award once a year is going to win the day for you, you're nuts. Right. Like, you'll never make it. You wouldn't make it three weeks here if that actually meant <laughs> all of it to you. But... You know, again, you put the numbers out there, and it's like, hey, you're one of 12 in the world now, or you're one of 12 in the country. You're under a couple hundred on the planet Earth. It means a lot. It's a really big deal. That restaurant lasted five years, and then we had to leave that restaurant because it just wasn't a good situation for us. And we started to work on the platform that would give us ever restaurant. And that took a couple years to kind of get it going in terms of like just all the finances in order and all the partnerships in place. And then we signed the lease. We went into construction. And I'm sitting in front of you. Yeah. So in the present, how does the work break down between yourself and Curtis, you know, between these operations? How does it, how do we separate it? I mean, we're like, I always say like a lot of times it's it's kind of a joke, but really not. uh, uh, The whole joint's run by a really good cook and a really good waiter. Like (laughs) he's a, he, he takes care of all the back of house ops. And I'll deal with all the other uh, that other mess that 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 moment we had at the Peninsula Hotel all those years back, where I'm like, "Look, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna protect you from all the poking, right? I'm not I'm not you're not gonna have to worry about all that stuff. All you got to do is come in here and cook. That's all you got to do is come in here and just just do what you do. That's it. And let's work together in keeping all the noise away from you as much as possible. Um, and that's harder than it sounds because you know it's a business man there's a lot going on and there's a lot of meetings to be had and stuff but you got to know when to protect him and you know say hey listen we got to let him do his thing otherwise we're not going to get all these other things that we want Mm -hmm. which is you know the menu is in constant flux right now so you want to talk about separation of duties i don't go in that kitchen (laughs) i don't mess around with the food i'll give my opinion if it's not what you know, if he disagrees with me, it's over. It's like if it's one thing Curtis is, he's a laser. He doesn't care. You know, he might ask me just to wonder. It'd be out of, he just out of curiosity. I wonder what Michael will think about this. But and I'm always pairing beverages with the stuff. So you know, but I get to make my moves on the wine front on that side anyway. Uh, but uh, no, for sure, I don't mess with the menu. I don't go in the kitchen. That's all chef's house. And the same would be true for menu development when it came to the cocktail lounge. All of the food, everyone's loving the food, all the small bites. Curtis just wanted to have fun. Mm-hmm. He was like, I just want to have fun. I just want to have fun. I don't want to be serious about shit. I don't want to make it a thing. I I just want to have some fun and, and, and make delicious food. Go for it, dude. You know? Well, yeah, and, and let's talk about the menu and the the cocktail. Like, what do you recommend if someone's coming in here for the first time? Because I saw there's like 275 spirits or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's hard to even point anything out, right? There, there are a few... Like specialties or, yeah. Yeah, it's like this. Uh, when you sit down, the menu's divided up in such a way where we have the classic cocktails, and you're not going to pull a trigger there that you're going to be disappointed in. But it's meant to give you like eight to ten options on the classic front. And then you turn the page and you run into eight to ten cocktails that perhaps are meant to go with some of the food items, right? Uh, Luis Rodriguez, our lead bartender back there, creatively speaking, he's mostly in control of all those moves. And it was really important for him that the cocktail program reflected what the menu was doing and that there would always be a section of it that kind of allowed it to do that. So he's got a few cocktails that are aimed at the menu. And then he's got a couple of like what I always call big spender ones. Like, you know, yeah, you, oh, like, you want that Manhattan, but with all the goods in it, you want 
there's just if you want to play, uh, there's an entire menu uh, set focused towards that arena. Food wise, we wanted to stick to shareable items, small plates that could be passed around the stuff, so that if you and I sit down and you order two and I order two, we're well on our way to being comfortable. We, you know, we don't. We, we're if we're having dinner, we want to at least need another hour to recover from the food we just ate it after, because you know it's going to be a decent amount of food. Be a few bites, put something substantial in your tummy, so that while you're having your cocktails, you know. Yeah. Well, I saw fun. the duck wings on the on the menu, and I was like, that's. Yeah. That's something I'm trying as That's soon as I come That's a win. In. And the yeah. buns are a win. Uh, uh, the maitake bun is a really big win. And yeah, I mean, all the stuff. The meatballs are really popular. Let's talk about the aesthetic. I mean, it, people can look online on Instagram, yeah. see how cool it looks. But this is a really unique looking uh, space. And I saw that you guys worked with uh, Lawton Stanley Architects. Talk about putting together the look and design yeah. of After. So Christopher Lawton and Micah Stanley designed Grace with us like forever ago. And then they designed Ever from scratch. And when it came to the bar, because of the fact that it was directly on top of Ever and we knew it would just, the, the DNA of Ever needed to kind of, you needed to see the connection. It needed to make sense, which made me happy to do the cocktail lounge now. After that, I was like, oh, now we're down because now I get to really take the bar idea and see how sexy this can actually be. So the, when you go to Ever, there's a lot of curvature of the walls, right? You walk in through these big kind of dramatic cave walls because we had this obsession with the way that shows you sneak, you know, like cave walls and their curvatures allow you for sneak peeks down alleyways that mm-hmm. maybe you don't get to go just yet. And we were <laughs> really wanted to explore journeys into the dining room so that it's a longer walk to get there, but there's fun elements along the way. Everything I just said is very true of the after lounge space. You walk in, uh, you are greeted. There's ample amount of space for coat check and just that kind of check-in moment because in Chicago, it's cold as shit. You're going to walk in there, and you just you need that. And then, and then there's like this kind of curvature wall set that allows the cocktail lounge to reveal itself. And big reveals are, I think, so important. It's the same thing over it ever. A long, skinny hallway kind of jettisons you out into this really cush, lavish environment that the air in Ever is, is it feels like a Bose sound deafening headphone, man. Yeah. You put this acoustic paneling in the ceiling, it just eats you. And, and, and we wanted to do the same kind of thing with the bar, but it's a bar, so the music's loud and it's all of that, but I don't care. I still want that Wrigley Field reveal that I'm walking up the steps of the stadium, I can hear the crack of the bat, I can hear the crowd, I can hear all this stuff, I just can't see shit yet. And then that final breach, and it just all is there for you. The bar's just like that. You walk through this really cool kind of hallway and come around this left-hand corner and the bar just slowly kind of opens up to you. Color-wise, you know, as far as the palette goes, I think it was Micah and Christopher that came to the table with this really deep midnight blue, this really dark, you know, like the way you look into the ocean at night, it's almost black and the reflections of blue live in this really deep uh, kind of navy world, right? So that was to be a lot of the walls, and then that was going to get accented with this kind of cool, ashy, mahogany kind of color. At Ever Restaurant, these cave walls that I speak of are brought to us by a Chicago artist, uh, our friend Vladimir Karatowski, and we brought him back in to do After Lounge. When you go into the place, it's soaked in Venetian plaster, and uh, that's studio finesse. That's my friends uh, Vladimir and Conrad. 
But speaking of design, there's also these great event spaces. There's a rooftop that, uh, you know, I'm sure is amazing in the summer. Yeah. Um, there's the fireplace space. One of the concepts when I was reading the research, you know, to do this interview that really caught my attention, though, is the observatory. A, is that open? And B, describe what that is. <laughs> the room we never talk about, but we always end up talking about. It's so funny because, well, yeah. Uh, look, it, part of doing the cocktail lounge, the reason why it kind of, uh, there was a little tug of war for me is that I'm like, are we really going to do that? Like, that's kind of cliche. A move that has been made. Is it expected? But, you know, like some of those moves that are expected, they're usually big wins because it's like, ah, you know, we get it. So, uh, and then the only thing to do on top of doing a cocktail lounge to make it even more cliche is to stick a secret room somewhere where nobody else can find it. And so we did that. My designers had this one picture a long time ago that they showed me. It was like a Dungeons and Dragons kind of wizard. And he lived in an observatory except the walls about, you know, 40 feet high were just stacked with library shelves and books where this wizard kept all his spells and his mystic potions and all this stuff. Oh, my and God. In the, and it was all big, you know, but he's living in an observatory, right? So it's this big circular room, and then in the center of it is this monster telescope, that, and, and all of those books lead up to an actual observatory dome ceiling with a big cutout where the telescope sees through it, and it just had this badass galaxy sky staring back at you, and... Here he lived, you know, studying his books and spells and all this shit. Mike and I loved that. I was like, that is sick, and we will build it, I promise. And so that's kind of what we did. <laughs> we built what I just told you. We built this uh, really cool cocktail lounge room that uh, with fireplace and hearth and soaked in bookshelves that all leads up uh, in the real world, in ours, it's about 10 feet, leads up to this. Uh, we, we found someone who would build us an observatory ceiling, uh, and that thing just cascades way up into the thing, and it's got this massive cutout. And then behind that cutout is this monster custom-fabricated screen that we had built that fits the curvature of the wall, so it fully works as the visual illusion you kind of want it to. I mean, you look up and you're like, it's, it's obviously, well, actually, that's not true. Some people walk in and they go, how do you get rid of the light pollution? I'm like, that's not the real sky. <laughs> Chicago doesn't allow us to see the stars. Sure. So that's kind of one of the cool parts about it. Uh, it's decked in all this really cool, like, furniture that looks like it fell off Jack Sparrow's, you know, yard sale. Everything's all antique and old and fun. And we built the room for parties of, like, 8 to 12, maybe 14, um, and it's only accessible through coat closets, so you can't ever Perfect. get it. And yeah. So if you booked it, you'll get a weird coat check, and then they'll walk you down a coat closet where it gets all dark and mysterious, and that'll lead you to like some creepy Harry Potter-looking door that you'll push in, and you'll lead you to this cool space that we built. Well, I can't wait to check that out. Greatly appreciate the time. What's on deck forever, for after, or any new concepts from you guys? So no on the new concept front. Uh, I think, like, as, as I look forward, I do a lot on. of this. I know. Part of my job is to constantly sit 90 days out, right? That's, that somebody's got to at some point. Otherwise, we'll just, you're just constantly feeling like you're behind it. And so focus and consistency and wrenching down and tightening screws. And, you know, it's like we said, with the pandemic and the lack of hands and the, I think a lot of restaurants... And a lot of people in the hospitality business, if you don't feel like this, then God bless you. But 
a lot of times you go home and you're like, it just sucks not being as good as you know you could be because you have all these things that you're dealing with. Um, and next, you know, what, what the future holds for us is not feeling that way so much. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to feel like that as much as I did this past year. Does that make sense? It's been a rough, I mean, again, it's been a rough couple of years for everybody and certainly restaurants, food and beverage are, are a big, a big part of feeling that pain. So this, these are major accomplishments, having two operations side by side launched during this pandemic time and getting in early before the rest of the neighborhood arrives, which is really cool. Um, Michael Muser from Ever and from After, two separate places, of course. Thank you so much for taking the time and talking about this. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at dynastypodcasts.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.